2: I'm your village founder and your host, Erin Royer. Today, I have two more parenting questions. First, another separation anxiety question, but as with pretty much every question, it is unique. So it's a different question with a different answer than the previous questions I've answered about separation anxiety. It seems that with each family child, life circumstances all being different for all of us, it gives an endless variety of concerns and issues to cover. Now, the second question is about dealing with grandparents who don't always follow the parents' wishes when it comes to rules for the grandchild. So that's definitely a new topic for this podcast, yet an issue that I've heard from parents before. So this is something that does concern many families. The first question is from Kathy, and she says, I have been listening to your podcast for a few months, and I've really enjoyed the questions and the wisdom you have provided thus far. I have a three and a half year old who leans toward introverted. She has been reluctant to attend preschool by herself even though we only send her two days a week for half days. She seems to be clingy and would rather spend the time at home with me. I have been trying to work on her doing things for herself and being more independent but nothing seems to work. She still gets upset and bursts into tears on her school days. I'm about to give up but when I pick her up from preschool she's always in a cheerful mood and says how much she wants to go back. I haven't seen this behavior from any other preschoolers in her class in it, and I feel alone in this battle. Can you share any advice? So first, Kathy, I'm going to quickly cover some information I covered before and then address the unique part of your situation with some suggestions. So I'm sure you already are aware that separation anxiety is very common in these preschool years, but it is also common for some children to experience separation anxiety intermittently up through the age of seven. Now, I'm going to quickly cover some of the information I covered two episodes ago, so we have a reference for what I'm going to share in the tips. But for more in-depth information, feel free to go back and listen to episode number 77. So for reference point, and anyone listening who hasn't heard episode 77, I'm going to cover why separation anxiety happens in the first place, and hence why it's normal and is usually even a good thing. In young children, an unwillingness to leave a parent or caregiver is a sign that attachments have developed. Attachment is a deep and enduring emotional bond that connects one person to another across space and time. Also, infants and toddlers in this age range struggle to balance their desire for independence and autonomy with their need for security that a responsive caregiver provides to them. Now, believe it or not, it's actually good for your child to experience separation anxiety because your child gets practice at dealing with anxiety and stress. Now, in the last episode, I talked about raising children to their potential. One of those pieces is coping. Well, this is another chance for your child to learn coping. Your child needs to learn how to experience anxiety and conquer it. It's the beginning of building this very important life skill, the coping skills. It builds the character trait also known as resilience, which is one's ability to bounce back from disappointment and also an important piece to self-esteem. Now, I also covered this a few episodes back in numbered 77, but I want to run through these again because they're important to understand before I give some tips and because they directly relate to your question, Kathy. And this is the four stages of separation anxiety. Again, some of these may sound a little scary, but they're all normal. And children pass through each one of these stages and usually quite quickly. The first stage is the protest stage. This is what you see when you drop your child off. This is where the child will scream and cry and grab at you. This is a healthy response and a coping mechanism because it works to keep the caregiver there longer. The second stage is despair. This happens right after the parent leaves. The child may drop to the floor, they may sob for a few minutes. The third stage is adjustment. In this stage, the child finds a way to calm him or herself by engaging with the teacher or finding a friend or some toys to play with. The last stage is emotional detachment. That may sound bad, but it's not. It just means that the child changes their focus from the despair of missing the caregiver onto connecting with the teacher, friend, or an activity. Now, the reason that this is so relevant, well, it's always relevant, but it's very relevant to Kathy's question because Kathy, as you mentioned, she's happy when you pick her up and she reports being excited to go back. So you know that she's moving through these stages and chances are she's moving through them very quickly. She is experiencing a very normal level of separation anxiety and reacting to it in a very healthy, normal manner. I also want to cover the common scenarios when separation anxiety occurs because I think this is a big contributor to your daughter's separation anxiety. It's very common for a child to experience separation anxiety or increased levels of it the first few days of school or camp, after a break from school, or a couple weeks after starting school. Now, why I think this is important in your case, Kathy is that your daughter is only attending school two days a week. So the time between those days is probably long for her. So it's kind of like starting over almost every time. I'm not sure what days you're doing, but if you're doing Tuesdays and Thursdays, then the time between Thursday and Tuesday is definitely long. That's five days. Between Tuesday and Thursday is only two days. And if that's the case, I'm not sure if you're seeing a better reaction on Thursdays than Tuesdays or not. That certainly would not surprise me. Now, if it's Tuesdays and Fridays or Mondays and Fridays, then you're having three to four days between every time she goes to school. That's a long time for a toddler and may be a big contributor to this. Now, I'm not saying that it's bad or you should change it. She's doing fine and moving through the stages just fine. But if you wanna try to minimize this, you might try adding a day and see if that helps. Now, lastly, I know this can be hard, but try not to compare. I know it's embarrassing when yours is the only kid in the toy aisle throwing an absolute fit or yours is the kid melting down when you leave while all the other kids appear to be happily engaging with their teacher or their friends. But rest assured, every single parent has had to or will have to deal with separation anxiety at one point or another. We all understand it's normal. We all understand pretty much every child deals with this. Now, for the next question, grandparent and grandchild relationships can be very enriching for everyone and can add a much-needed break for parents lucky enough to have this solid relationship between the generations, but sometimes grandparents can add angst, too. The next question is from Jessica, who says, Hi, Erin. I love your podcast. Even though my child is young, I feel I'm getting prepared for the future. I wanted to ask you how to deal with grandparents. Yes, grandparents. They often look after my baby and I see how they don't follow my way of raising her. For example, I said no TV and I always find her watching TV and I have seen how they give a bottle to their five-year-old granddaughter even though her mother has asked them not to and keep secrets between them. I know grandparents will do this often, but I would like to know if there's any way I can raise my child in order to tell me everything and know that changes and rules at home need to be followed everywhere if possible, or at least know that what happens at their grandparents is only there. I don't know what to do, and it generates a great deal of stress knowing it will happen. I hope you can give me any advice. I would really appreciate it. So first, I wanna talk about the positive because when things are going well, grandparents can provide a child with an additional source of support, as well as a sense of family history, a different perspective on who you are as a person rather than just as a parent. And those who have been listening for a while know that I love me some good research. I'm a definite research geek. And as you can imagine, the research about having a connection to one or more grandparents is overall very favorable. The first study, is a survey conducted by Oxford University and the Institute of Education in London found that children are generally happier if grandparents are involved in their upbringing. The researchers found that grandparents often have more time than working parents to provide support, advice, and problem solving for children, especially those grandparents who are serving in any type of caregiving role, be it as a full-time provider or part-time childcare. In addition to showing that grandparents bring increased stability to the lives of their grandchildren, the study also found that grandparents were instrumental in times of family adversity and appeared to help the whole family survive much better in times of crisis. In another study by Boston College researchers, they found that emotionally close ties between grandparents and adult grandchildren reduced depressive symptoms in both groups, both the grandparents and the grandchildren, now, these researchers looked at data that was collected over a 19-year time span. This episode is sponsored by by Heart. by Heart is an infant nutrition company whose mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. Using the latest in breast milk science, Now that we're back from the break, I'll cover some tips and guidelines for addressing Jessica's question around issues with grandparents. So there are two general guidelines for deciding whether or not to address a concern with grandparents. The first is to decide if it's a health and safety issue. Let's say the grandparent likes to take your toddler for a weekend afternoon and they have a pool. They have a fence, but the gate broke. They promise to get it fixed by the next visit, you show up, and it's not fixed yet. This is a potential safety concern. Speak with them about it. And again, this is one of millions of examples, but if you see something you feel is a health or safety concern, you wanna speak with them about it and come to some conclusions. So in this instance, you would wanna do something like, you could decide how to deal with that current visit in a way that you feel comfortable. It's okay if you decide that you need to take your child and go because grandpa has a habit of leaving the back door open and grandma isn't as attentive or fast as she used to be. Your child is your priority and you need to feel he or she is safe. If it's not a health and safety issue, it's better to let it go and allow them to build an individual relationship. When a grandparent is corrected often, they may pull back from the relationship, which likely isn't worth fixing the issue if it's not. health and safety. Again, if it's not for health and safety. And I'm going to get into parsing that out a little bit more in a moment, but the second issue is to consider how often they visit, how often your child stays with them, or how often they come to visit, and how often this behavior is occurring. So let's say the grandparent gives the child a chocolate bar every time they see him or her. If they only visit a few days a year, this is likely not an issue. Unless your child is allergic, of course, that's a different story. But if they are your after-school care five days a week, this could be an issue. Also, it's good to weigh intent, the intent of the grandparent. So even when a behavior is annoying to you, a grandparent may be coming from a place of love and connection. So when you do address an issue, avoid blaming the grandparent. Blame yourself, your own concerns for behaviors, blame the child and their reactions. I don't mean blame the child, but you could talk about the child's temperament or the way that they react to the sugar or the TV. You can ask for help with the situation rather than blame. We're trying to cut down on TV in our house. We find that she reacts much better. She sleeps better at night, doesn't have nightmares when we don't do much TV. Can you help us out with this? If you do address an issue, do this out of the earshot of the child. Now for you, Jessica, there are some questions you may wanna ask yourself so that you can consider how to move forward. How often is your baby with her grandparent? How many days a week for how long? Is it yours or your partner's? And I ask that. I ask that because in our family, my husband and I have a rule. Any issue with a family member, I deal with my family, he deals with his. You also could approach the grandparents together if that's something you think would help Now when it comes to TV, how much do you think she's watching? Is it just 20 or 30 minutes or do you think it's hours? What is the content? Can you provide grandma with other toys or activities to do with your child? Now I know you just have a baby, so I don't know what equipment that grandma has at the house, but if you could provide some other things that your child enjoys, then this would be helpful. Now for parents with some older kids, I'm gonna give an example of how you might be able to give the grandparents and the grandchild something to do together that could offset the TV time or the other activities that you don't approve of as much. So let's say you have a daughter or a son who loves to help in the kitchen, and grandma loves to bake too. You can get your child their own children's baking book or cooking book and some children's kitchen tools and have them stay at grandma's house, then ask grandma, if she can bake with your child, make cookies together, cupcakes and decorate them. And there are lots of other options like puzzles or a favorite game or toy. And I will say, and I'm going to tread lightly here, but the secret scenario actually concerns me. It doesn't concern me at this point because your child is an infant, but I don't know that this is necessarily something that grandparents do a lot. I personally would be upset if any family member tried to do this with our kids. It sends a message that we keep secrets from each other, especially from our parent if we think they will be mad or disapproving about something we did and that really undermines your authority as a parent. Now if you can address this with her and you may not want to do it right now, you may wait till later because she's obviously not having a baby keep secrets, but these are things to think about down the road. If you can address this with the grandparents, and you think that they'll be receptive, that is the best route. It's best to fix these issues rather than resentments growing. Also, you can address the TV issue. Explaining, you could say something like, it's really important to us that she not watch TV, or that she only watch X, Y, and Z programs, or that she only gets 20 minutes a day. Whatever your guidelines and why. You could say she doesn't stay asleep as well at night. She has nightmares. She wakes up a lot at night. Now, babies don't have nightmares, but you could say she has frequent night wakings and then she's cranky and so are we. You know, there's a lot of research out there that I cover about media and the effects on children, especially young babies, and the guidelines are no screen time for children two and under. I have a class on the website, Kids in Media from Newborn to 10, and it covers all the research, all the effects of screen time on children's developing brains especially that young if you feel like you want to share this or you want to be equipped with that information definitely check out that class it's on the website yourvillageonline.com under the modern parenting section now if the child were a little bit older you could say things like she has nightmares that she's cranky and so are we she starts asking for the toys on the commercials now when it comes to secrets this could be sensitive and the other thing is you don't and the other thing is she's probably not doing this with your baby yet. However, chances are that she will because behavior patterns tend to be consistent. So you could just keep your eyes and ears out. And if you learn that she's asked your daughter to keep a secret, you could address it then. You could say something like, the rule in our house is honesty always. We think it's important to not hide things from each other We always want Chloe, whatever your daughter's name is, to feel comfortable coming to us with anything. And part of teaching that means teaching that there are no secrets. Now, to me as a parent, this is a big deal and it is a safety issue. Because what if grandma gets dizzy and passes out and tells your child not to tell? And the next time she passes out and she doesn't awaken right away, basically leaving your child without an adult in the house for an extended amount of time. Now, this is just one scenario. Their scenarios are endless. But to me, this is non-negotiable. We don't keep secrets with each other. Now, if you think grandma is just not going to be receptive to this, And if grandma is someone you are relying on for childcare, and again, right now, it's fine. It's not going to be an issue while your child is an infant. But if you're thinking that this is what it's going to be as she gets older, I would strongly recommend you think about some other options. Only if you just are feeling like she is not going to be receptive, that it's going to cause problems in the relationships, then I would start looking for some other care as she gets a little older. Again, honesty and communication are always the best policy, so only do this if you're feeling there's no way we can talk about this, there is no way anything good will come of this, and you feel like it will just affect the relationships negatively. I would start looking for some other care options as your baby gets older, and then schedule frequent visits with the grandparents. Now, the next three weeks, my kids are home on winter break, so I'm going to take a break from the podcast. Unless you want to hear kids running around and playing and most possibly fighting in the background, it's probably best if I take a break for three weeks. This is a really great opportunity for anyone who wants to go back and listen to some of the old podcasts and catch up. This is a great opportunity. And if you want to learn some more about separation anxiety, in addition to what I shared here and on the podcast from a couple episodes ago, I have a class on separation anxiety on the website, yourvillageonline.com under the health and development section. I cover some more in-depth information about separation anxiety, including some different drop-off methods and techniques that you can use to help ease your child into those drop-offs, especially if you have a child who's very prone to this. If you have a parenting question you'd like answered, send it to podcast at yourvillageonline.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.